Hello, this is Pastor Pete Beck III with LifeNet in Burlington, North Carolina. Welcome to today's podcast, which is entitled The Law of Sowing and Reaping. This is the 15th article in a series entitled Wonderful Counseling. You can read the rest of the associated articles by going to my website, thirdpeter.com. God's righteous judgment upon sin, which is called the curse of the law, is part of the reaping attached to the sowing of sin. As Paul put it, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Sin has consequences, and all of them are bad. Paul also wrote in Galatians 6, 7-9, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That's from the English Standard Version. I just read verse 7. Sowing and reaping works for good and for bad, which is reflected in God's proclamation to Moses in Exodus. And I quote from Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, quote, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's the English Standard Version. This passage brings into focus the generational or corporate nature of judgment. Personal sin carries corporate consequences. The old saying that the evil I do in private only hurts me is simply not true. For example, in the time of Joshua, when Israel was in the process of conquering Canaan, God placed a ban of destruction on the city of Jericho. He warned the Israelites that no one was to take any of the loot for themselves. It all belonged to God. Achan decided to secretly disobey God by stealing some silver, gold, and a Babylonian garment. In so doing, he brought judgment upon the entire nation, Joshua 7, 1. When his sin was eventually exposed by God, he and his immediate family were sentenced to death by stoning. Achan's private sin brought terrible consequences upon others in his family. Furthermore, his disobedience resulted in many Israelites outside of his family being killed in battle. The entire nation suffered because of one man's secret sin. There are no lack of historical examples of corporate reaping for the sins of the fathers. The USA endured a horrible civil war which many believe was a form of judgment against the injustices connected to slavery. Many of those who suffered and died in the conflict never owned slaves or even approved of the practice. Nevertheless, 
They were caught up in the conflagration that engulfed the nation. Many citizens of Germany, most of them old men, women, and children, including those who likely opposed the Nazis' crimes, died in the horrific fire bombings inflicted by Allied bombers as the horrible suffering inflicted on the rest of Europe returned upon Germany with a vengeance. The common people suffered greatly for the decisions and deeds of their leaders. The Israelites who lived in Babylon during the captivity may never have participated in idolatry, but they suffered the consequences of their forefathers' disloyalty to God. As Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 5-7, Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. That's from the English Standard Version. Need I go on? Can we agree that innocent people often read judgment and experience the consequences of other people's sins? Can we agree that innocent children sometimes suffer for a lifetime because of the sins of their parents or other adults? Alcoholism, sexual, emotional, verbal, and physical abuse inflict pain upon the immediate family that often reverberates for many generations. Abuse engenders abuse. Hurt people hurt people. Sins usually produce negative consequences that extend generationally unless their destructive effects are somehow neutralized. Forgiveness and prayer do not necessarily stop the reaping process. Imagine that a suicidal person climbs to the top of a bridge and full of hopelessness jumps. On the way down, in a flash of insight, he realizes that he made a big mistake and asks God to forgive him. In Christ, his forgiveness is instant, but it will not stop the law of gravity and bring about his sudden demise. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily undo the sowing and reaping process. Another way to say this is that God can remove the eternal consequences of our sin without removing the temporal ones. Another example might be a murderer who asks for and receives forgiveness for his crime, but this does not bring back the dead person or remove the loss from the grieving family. It will also not stop the wheels of justice from imposing a proper judgment upon him in the court system. We can be forgiven in heaven, but reap judgment on earth. I have witnessed praying mothers wringing their hands because their children repeated their same mistakes despite their prayers. The beat goes on. By itself, prayer does not have the power to undo the sowing and reaping principle. The same is true, for example, when it comes to weight loss or any number of health-related issues. We cannot break all the rules for maintaining healthy bodies and expect God to overrule the law of sowing and reaping just because we pray. What is true in the natural realm is also true spiritually. 
praying for a crop failure or a crop transformation. I have a friend who once prayed that God would bring about a crop failure with regard to what he had earlier sown in his life. We all left, but it was a good thing to do. We have a very encouraging verse to lean upon from Psalm 103, 10 through 13, which says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward us who fear him. As so far as the east as from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. English Standard Version. If God returned tit for tat to us according to our sins, we'd all be dead by now. I think it is altogether proper to pray for mercy when it comes to sowing and reaping. Nevertheless, we must realistically face the fact that God has put this law into effect. Notwithstanding, we do have an ultimate weapon against this relentless law. We can have complete confidence that Romans 8.28 has the power to turn everything in our favor, even when we are reaping the consequences of our own foolishness and sin. Romans 8.28-30 reads, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also justified. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. English Standard Version. God is able to take what we reap because of sinful sowing and work it out for our ultimate good and his glory. This trumps everything. When we praise God in the midst of whatever suffering or confusion we may be enduring, even if it is our own doing, it honors God and opens our hearts to see things from his perspective. It helps us grasp what he is doing in the midst of it all how he is working it out for our benefit and his glory. Praise in the midst of suffering is one of our greatest spiritual weapons. We may not be able to obtain a crop failure, but we can see God transform something painful into something beautiful and God-honoring. Nevertheless, we must be realistic. God's working out our difficulties for good is not always easy or pretty. King David spent many years reaping the consequences of his adultery and murder. He was forgiven, but the ongoing consequences were real, painful, and extremely costly for him, his family, and the nation of Israel. We do indeed reap what we sow. The awful prospect of looming judgment. One of the great deceptions people fall for is the false sense of security gained from delayed judgment. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of men 
is fully set to do evil. English Standard Version. Things have continued to go well in this country to a great extent since Roe versus Wade was passed and the killing of unborn babies was legalized. That does not mean, though, that we have escaped God's judgment. God's judgment against unforgiven sins committed by our ancestors and our nation's leaders and people may still be looming on the horizon, waiting for God's timing to release it. Jesus, the author of the New Covenant, proclaimed the following just before offering himself for our sins. And this is in Luke 11, 47 through 51. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, Also, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. That's also the English Standard Version. Jesus knew that the coming sacrifice of himself as God's Lamb would provide forgiveness for sins, even the sin of putting him, the Messiah, to death. For those who would choose to repent and believe the good news. Nevertheless, God's justice would roll on and result in the smashing of the rebellious Jewish nation under the wheel of Roman might. Jesus warned his followers to flee the city of Jerusalem when they saw God's judgment at the door. If they failed to extricate themselves from the city, they would reap the consequences of covenant betrayal along with the unrepentant perpetrators. Matthew 24, 15 through 23. History tells us that the Christians followed our Lord's warning and escaped when the Roman army approached. They understood the nature of sowing and reaping. The blood of over 60 million innocent babies slaughtered in government-sanctioned abortion clinics cries out to God for justice. Will the prayers of those who oppose this practice undo the terrible law of sowing and reaping? Will the USA escape the judgment of God that looms? Discerning eyes can see storm clouds on the horizon, yes, that are already here. Our nation's leaders have been leading us down a road to destruction for many years. Those who have participated in the crime of abortion may be personally forgiven by Christ, but judgment still looms over the nation, just as it did over Israel. God will not be mocked what we have sown that we also shall reap as a nation. Until that judgment arrives, we still have hope for mercy, however. As followers of Christ, we can still cry out to God for mercy and ask him for crop failure. We can repent on behalf of the nation, asking God to turn the tide of injustice and immorality. We can plead with him to turn the nation 
to Jesus. Just as we have an individual and a national identity, we also have an individual and a family identity. The unconfessed sins of our forefathers may be looming over the family line. I believe it is our responsibility to confess and forsake these sins as living representatives of the family and thank God for releasing the family from any inherited judgments and claim God's blessings that are ours in Christ. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Abraham stood in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah and for his nephew's family who lived there. In the end, only Lot and his daughters survived, but that was better than everyone perishing. I wonder who will escape generational devastation because we stand in the gap. In conclusion, generational sins and their attached judgments can affect not only the sinner, but also his family, community, and nation. The law of sowing and reaping has a big part to play in this process. As believers, we recognize that we are personally forgiven for our own sins in an eternal sense, but we may still reap negative consequences for what we have done. We can trust God to turn even the worst situations into something that will bring Him honor and glory and work for our good, Romans 8.28. We can also pray, proclaim, declare for ourselves and our family to be freed from any passed down family and corporate judgments or curses, according to Galatians 3.13 and 14. In the next article, I will lay out in more detail the foundation of how we can experience freedom from generational judgments based on Christ's finished work. I hope you will continue with me.